Well, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be here, and thank you, church, for praying for us and for your support. Uh, several people tell us they're praying for us, and we really thank you for that. We've uh, done a lot of miles. We travel a lot, and um, it's God's grace and His mercy. You know, 25 years full time. Time goes fast, right? And so we actually have two more grandkids. You know, the girls are trying to catch up. We have five grandsons and three granddaughters. But we're not going to let them <laughs> uh, keep, uh, got to keep the name going, amen. But, uh, you know, uh, we appreciate the, the people from this church that have been volunteers at the jail. We just, you know, with the COVID and all that had stopped and uh, it switched over from the sheriff's office. They left and then there's a trust now. It's a new administration. It's trying to learn to meet new people and, and things, a lot of changes. So, uh, recently, just last week, we actually had an officer assigned back to us so that he can pull inmates on the men's side. And so Brother Bill, R. Smith, Ron Cuttle, uh, Dennis, they've already led several people to the Lord just last week and this week. And it's, it's, an, it's a great blessing now. The ladies have been doing it because there's a female officer that's already on the sixth floor where the ladies are at. And so... Um, we're really encouraged with that. There's a proposal coming up that we get two more officers, one on the, another one on the women's side, another on the men's side, which at one point we had two officers in each side, which was a blessing to bring more people. And they're seeing the need and the importance of when, when somebody gets saved, an officer sees a difference in the inmate that perhaps they had problems with. They don't have problems with them anymore. So, hey, we had some officers that would bring them to the chaplain's office. Hey, this one here needs a little help. <laughs> You know, so uh, what a blessing when they see that because they live there, they see them daily and everything. So uh, there's a gentleman that pastor actually met, Christopher R. Hendricks. He did 12 years in prison. They gave him 74 years. And when he came to the jail 12 years ago, uh, he got saved. He has a fa his father is a pastor in Dallas and has a brother as a pastor. But he was a black sheep and did wrong. And so they gave him 74 years. He told the Lord. Uh, if I get out, I'll serve you. If I'm going to stay in, I'll serve you. And he got to studying the Word of God, and he got a, a pastoral degree. I remember pastor, he was actually showing him some of the questions. He was our, our, our orderly for a year and a half there in the county jail. In May, he was released. And now they had approved for him to do 200 hours of community service right there where he was our orderly. He already has done 91 hours. And uh, what an asset when somebody has been there, they know a lot of the insights, you know, and so it's, it's a blessing. Pray for Christopher R. Smith, uh, Bill R. Smith. There's a lot of people that have the R. I think the middle name is repentance. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's a blessing. Thank you for your prayers. And you never know what uh, one person's life does. I remember when I was there in Heartland and doing a class there, and one of the gentlemen said, hey, uh, Brother George, he said, my daddy was a correction officer, and an inmate led my daddy to the Lord. My daddy's a pastor. So, I mean, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, God works in a, in a great way. So, uh, look in your, uh, stand and turn your Bibles to Psalms 137. Psalms 137. <sighs> Real nervous, sweating. Pray for me. Um, Bible says there in Psalms 137, 
uh, I was going to preach in Spanish, expecting you to understand it in English if you're really spiritual, but uh, I'm going to pass on that one, amen. By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they had, that carried us away, captives, required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us myrrh, saying, Sing unto us the song of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Lord, we need you tonight. Lord, you know uh, everybody here. You know where we're at spiritually. Where if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, that perhaps are just plain Christian. Lord, you know who... Uh, who's excited about the things of God and some used to, but no longer because they've lost their joy. And probably pray that you help us tonight and guide us, direct us, fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. All this we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message is, Don't Let the Devil Steal Your Joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Now, you have to be a Christian to have joy in the first place. They can't steal what you don't have. Can I get an amen, somebody? If, if you don't have a, a bank account, they can't steal what you got and what you don't have. Isn't it amazing now you can go to the bank and they expect you to go like this? <laughs> they expect you to go like this. Hey, let me have some money. When would you have thought that you could go to the bank all maxed up and say, hey, give me some money? You know? <laughs> Only in America. <laughs> Psalms, Psalms 137 is a song of exile. This sad hymn was written by one of the Israelites who had been exiled. Jerusalem was in ruins. The temple was destroyed. He may have been back in his own land by this time, viewing the terrible desolation and remembrance of those that caused it. How shall we sing a song in a strange land? When you think about singing, about a song, you know, there's people that have a melody. There are people that are happy and, and they have joy no matter what's going on in their lives. But then you have people that they are the opposite. No joy. Always arguing. Always backbiting. Always complaining. I mean, it's, it's a sad thing, but it, it's one or the other. And, and as I looked in the Bible, and, and the first day the Lord uh, gave us a light, then on the second day, uh, heaven above and the water below, the third day, earth and the sea and vegetation. And all the vegetarians said amen right there. Uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars on the fourth day. And the fifth day, the living creatures of the water and the sky. And I think about the living creatures in the sky, where I think about a song. In Genesis 1:29, and God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the flower of the air, the flower of the air, and over the cattle, and over uh, the earth, and the, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. So when you think about the flower of the air, God made the birds so they can fly and they're free. And man, they sing. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12:4, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. No matter where you're at, no matter what state you're at, what country you're at, you wake up, you look outside, and 
They sing. And we got some jailbirds too, amen. But you know, the bird was made to sing. Can you imagine a bird that can't sing? The guy went to the pet shop and he got him a bird and got home, put the cage there. And man, that bird was just singing away. I mean, just having a good time. And he noticed he was missing a leg. He said, oh man, they ripped me off. He took him back and said, hey man, you, got, you sold me a bird with one leg. Did you want one that could dance or one that could sing? You know? <laughs> a bird was made to sing, so a bird can have one leg and still sing. You don't need two legs to sing. So we see in Matthew 8, 28, and Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. You see, the birds have nests. Why? Where do they find uh, that nest? The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 28, in Matthew 13, 31, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it grows, it is the greatest among the herbs and becomes as a tree, so that the birds of the air lodge in the branches. So birds make nests, you know. I remember walking out one day here, took a left, David Perkle was right there greeting you on your way out. All, the, all of you that leave that way, you remember Brother Perkle was always there in his place, smile, looking you in your God-given eyeball, greets you. And I was walking out and a, a fella put his arm on me and I turned around, a big Indian fella. He said, how you doing, Chaplain George? And I said, uh, he said, you remember me? I said, I, I'm sorry, but I don't remember you. He said, I've been out, I, I was in prison for 10 years. He said, you told me about this church, so I wanted to come check it out. So he came to this church to check it out. And I said, hey, where are you, are you working? Where do you live? He said, well, I don't have a place to live right now. He said, I'm working, but I'm saving money so I can get a place. I said, well, where are you staying? He says, here and there. And when he said that, a little bird flew right to where we were at. And I saw that bird, and I said, you're just like that bird, huh? You know, Jesus said that he'll feed the birds of the air. If he feeds the little birds, you don't think he'll feed them big birds? <laughs> Amen, somebody. In Psalms 81, 10, the Bible says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Those birds in the nest, they're there. And here come mama bird. Boom, drops a worm here, a worm there. Kind of like welfare, man, just... He'll feed you just like he does the birds. What's an amazing thing to me is, though, God made the bird to fly and to be free. But somewhere along the line, man found a way to make a little cage and put the little birdie there. And they close the door. But the bird still sings, even in a cage. That lady had a bird in her cage, and that bird was always singing. And one day she looked, and the bird wasn't there. So she over there vacuuming. Man, she unzips that thing, and that poor little bird, you know, with the hair and all that dust and everything. So she takes it over to the sink and washes it off. Now he all wet. She gets a blow dryer. 
Now you got a blow, blow job right there. And so then she puts him back in the cage. And he's, you couldn't hear a peep out of him. Kind of like some Christians when we sing a congregational song. They like, why? You lost your joy. You don't have that joy anymore. What's happened to you, Christian, that you lost that joy? You don't have that song in your heart. You remember you come to church and in, the mid, in, the, in the middle of the service and maybe on Wednesday or Sunday night and a, a, a hymn touched you and you're, you're, you got that melody all week. You got that song in your heart. But you can't have that song in your heart where, when you're living wrong. When you're in sin, we're not obeying God's word, where you're not right with God, you lose that song. You can't sing. Yeah, you're saved, but you can't sing anymore. Can I get an amen, somebody? Can I get an amen? Amen? Everybody over here, amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? And she even said, is that hallelujah? That's amen too? Okay, amen, amen like this. Can you imagine if Rocky, Rocky was over here? I guarantee you, Pastor, he wouldn't be. He'd be. Amen. Pastor would be preaching, get up, he'd go. Amen, somebody. By the rivers of water, we sat down, we wept when we remembered Zion, that old city of Zion, the holy temple. We wept, why? Because we remembered. You see, you don't know what you have until you no longer have it. You know, young people, you don't understand. Your parents love you and they have rules and regulations. They want to keep you from things. And you don't understand it. Ah, man, when I'm 18, I'm going to get out of here. And don't understand the whole reason until you grow up and get married and you have kids. And then you say, oh, I understand now why you were telling us this and that. It's better to get it now before you get married. Amen. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. You see, the harp, the first time we see the word harp in Genesis 4.21, and his brother's name was Hubal, he was a father of all such as handle the harp and organ. So the, it's a picture of like the guitar nowadays. Amen. The harp, it, you, had, you had one is because you had joy. It is described by Josephus as an instrument of ten strings. It says, the harp was a favored musical instrument among the Jews. It corresponded to the modern guitar or the small. What were they doing? They were giving up. They were sitting down there and just hanging the harp. They, they, they lost their joy. Maybe, maybe something happened in your life and you just hung up the harp. It's like somebody hanging up the gloves. It's somebody quitting. I quit. We live in a time where people like to quit for anything. You go to work and I got to clean the toilets? Yeah, I quit. 
I mean, they quit just as people become officers. They go to the training and they're gone. Anything. You, you train people and they quit. Hey, as a Christian, don't quit. Jesus said, will you go away also? <laughs> Where shall we go? You have the words of life. Where can we go? Why are you going to quit? You going to go back to the world? What does the world have to offer? You see, as a Christian, you can't be happy. You can't have that joy when you're in sin. You can't teach a Sunday school class when you're wrong, when you're not right with God. You can't preach when you're not right with God. You can't lead a family when you're not right with God. You can't be an example to your children when you're not right with God. If daddy don't have a song in his heart, the family knows it. Well, can I get a witness? You know, we start with the harp in Genesis, and then we also see it in Revelation chapter number 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. And one of the elders said unto him, unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into the earth. And he came and took the book out of my right hand on him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book of the four beasts and the four and twenty-four elders, fell down before the lamb, having every one them harps and golden vessels full of order, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For he was slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So we see the, they're singing over here in the beginning in Genesis and in Revelation. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do as a parent is make your children learn an instrument. You know, it's a sad thing to go to churches and they don't have nobody that plays the piano and they got a little box over here. Okay, we're going to sing. And they're singing to some box. And there's all these people there and nobody goes to learn how to play the piano or any kind of instrument. If you learn an instrument, there's always going to be music in your home. My wife made the boys take piano lessons when they were little. They didn't like it. But there they were. <laughs> they had a recital. There was three boys there and a bunch of girls. But you know what? The oldest has been leading music in churches. His wife plays the piano. Right. See, you never know how God's going to use music. Because if you don't teach them in church, they're going to pick up a different kind of music. A lot of them start with church. Anyway, also Revelation 15, 1 through 3, we see there and the harps of God and everything. Um, in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 through 20, And be not drunk with wine wherein access, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing in and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God 
and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you ought to be able as a Christian to sing hymns and spiritual songs and melodies. In, in heaven, Lucifer was in charge of the music. But he wanted to bring some drums and stuff like that, so they, they kicked him out. <laughs> he ended up down here. And he's in charge of music down here. In case you didn't know. Amen. And they're sneaking it in in churches now. He's, he's coming in. I remember going with Jerry Lewis and Tommy Martin and Harold Daughtry. We'd go to Lexington. There's a prison there. And we'd go in there. We'd go there early. And I'd see the drumsticks there. And I'd hide the drumsticks. <laughs> and they were over there trying to look for the drumsticks. And I was over there. It took, I think, a couple of years before I was convicted to stop hiding those sticks, amen. But, uh, but you know, the music that the devil brings to the table, uh, the flesh likes it. If you have grandchildren, you have children, they're little, and you start music, and they start. And we laugh at that, but, but the flesh, and you video them, and then you post them, and then you say, like an image, like, like, and he's dancing to the devil's music, and you like, like an image, like an image. Now, I don't have Facebook and none of that. I'm just guessing that's what's happening. <laughs> well, can I get an amen? We hung our harps upon the willows. You know that willow tree, uh, the whipping willow, it's, it's, it looks like it's crying. I got two whipping willows in the in the back of the house, they planted them there. When we, when we moved in there, they was already there. They were small. I've been watering them, and they've been growing. We've been there five years. And, I mean, I looked at them before I left today, before I went to jail today. They were touching the ground. I mean, touching the ground. So if you're going to hang the harp on the willow, you don't even have to stand. We sat, and we wept, and we hung the harps on the willows. Think about that. You, if it was a palm tree where they hang up, they got to go up there and try to get it up there, do something. But when you quit, you just stop and you sit there and do nothing. Yeah. When people quit, just like, they quit. I'm going to quit right here. And, and it's amazing, it says we. 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 How many times did it say we? He says, we sat down, we wept. We remembered, we hanged, we sang. Uh, how shall we sing a we, we, we? If one of them would say, you know what? I ain't doing that. I ain't quitting. You might encourage somebody else. You know, it's easy to encourage somebody to quit. When I was in high school, I was working as a ditch watcher at nights at a real fancy restaurant, a Stockman restaurant. And it was, this is not a joke, this is a true story, amen? The white guy, a black guy, and a Mexican working as dishwashers. So it's not a joke, amen? And I told the guys, I said, look at you, washing dishes. Is this what you want to do with the rest of your life? And they're looking at each other. I said, this is ridiculous, we're washing dishes, bro. You want to you wanna be a dishwasher the rest of they, they shake their head, no. I said, let's quit. I said, y'all are scared to quit. You are scared to quit. And I convinced both of them to quit. 
We walked out the back door, and we walked around San Antonio for about two hours. And I said, hey, let's go back. They said, you crazy. I said, no, no, they'll take us back. You crazy, man. I said, no, no, they'll take us back. We walked over there, we sneaked in, and the manager's over there washing dishes. I said, hey, you want us back? Get over here. I said, well, are we going to get paid for those two hours? I think it was $3 and, no, $2.10 an hour. Amen. So we got the job. But I convinced these two people to quit for two hours. <laughs> Don't let people to convince you to quit. Bible college students. Man, all these assignments, all this stuff. I don't know. Well, the devil don't want you to finish what God called you to do. Never end in doubt what you started in faith. Um, I think Jerry Falwell had a, a Sunday school class, and, and his, he went to his director, and he said, you know, I'm quitting. He said, yeah, I knew you couldn't do it. So what do you mean? He said, I knew we were going to quit. I ain't quitting. And then he builds his Sunday school class to 56 kids. Huh? So, turn it around. Encourage somebody to go on and do something. I was walking at Dillard's, by Dillard's, and this guy just started working there selling shoes. He's been on there two, only two, he's been there two months, and he's sitting down like this. And a guy walks by and says, take it easy, man. And the guy walks by. Five minutes later, I go over there and say, hey, man, don't listen to that guy that told you to take it easy. You want to do something in life? Get up and work. I walked by there today, and he sees me. He goes, what's up, bro? <laughs> he was standing up, amen? You see the difference in just how you can encourage somebody or discourage somebody in just passing? It didn't take long. Just say it and go, amen? <sighs> Psalm 6.6, I am weary with my groaning, and all the night I make my bed to swim, I water my couch with my tears. My eyes is consumed because of grief in waxed old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath healed, has heard the voice of my weeping. See, God knows why we weep. He sees us when we weep. He hears us when we weep. He knows why we're weeping. There's people that are hurting. And we just pass by and pay no attention. I walked by a, a Target and I was taking something back and I, I took it there and this lady said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yeah. She said, you remember me? I said, man, with that mask, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? I ain't got no clue who you are. So she takes it off and says, oh, how you doing, okay? She said, um, I said, how's your husband? He said, well, he died. I said, well, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry that you died. She said, you know, I said, where do you go to church? I haven't been in church in 10 years. So why? Well, my husband was one thing in church, another thing at home. He abused me and my family. But in church, he was over there. But at home, he was... And I said, ma'am, I said, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, ma'am. But God still loves you. And if you're in a church, there'd be some ladies that could help you and encourage you. 
Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil take that from you. God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows, he sees your weeping. He knows what you're going through. I believe that whatever it is I took back, it was really just to minister to that lady. And too many times we don't take the opportunity and to look at people in their God-given eyeball and say, how are you doing? How's your day? And to just to be able to slide a track in their hand. I love to carry these from the road of ruin to the gospel trail by Bill Gates Marshall. He sends them to me by the hundreds. We give them to the inmates. And uh, I tell him I'm giving, I'm giving them in the jail. But, you know, I say I have some, like, I don't think he's going to mind. Amen. Yeah. And all I got, hey, let me give you a story about a friend of mine. Amen. You sign always you say, hey, you want to go to hell, do you? You need to read this track. My wife said, hey, honey, you got to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I'm taking them to hell right now. You're going to hell. You remember Paul and Silas, I think Brother Ted preached about it. I think Brother uh, Greg Smith recently, they both touched on that. And there was a woman uh, uh, that she was a soothsayer and he cast a spirit out of her and uh, they end up in prison. You know, there's, there's women out there trying to read people's uh, hands and cards. And when I worked at Tinker, there was a woman there that was reading cards to people and uh, I, I saw her and I said, ma'am, I can read your hand. She said, you can? I said, yeah. She goes like that. I said, you're going to hell. Amen. <laughs> I said, you're going to hell. Amen. <laughs> she was, right? She was going to hell. She, she reading cards, telling people what their hand says. And I read her hand. you going to hell. But I've learned to tone it down, you know. <laughs> Let me give you something to read. It shows you how you can go to heaven. Wouldn't you want to go to heaven when you die? Compared to, you don't want to go to hell, do you? <laughs> so here's these two men. Uh, anyway, there's, Jesus saw uh, Lazarus' sister weeping in John eleven thirty three, And then the woman that said, supposing him to be the gardener, she uh, was weeping as well. But Paul and Silas, um, they ended up getting beaten and they're thrown into the, and through the prison, into the, uh, I mean, what we call the pozo, the hole, the worst place. They're chained up. And they start singing at midnight. Amen. You know, they have the joy of the Lord. They've been beaten. I mean, you're beaten and you're singing in prison. Yeah. And they're wondering, what's wrong with those guys? They have the joy of the Lord, man, even after being beaten. We have an ingrown toenail and we're complaining about stuff. And you can't sing. I ain't going to church, my ingrown toenail. They ain't beaten, left for dead, and they start singing. When was the last time you sang and you just cut loose and started singing? I know I can't, I'm not a good singer. We just traveled 5,000 miles, and I thought my wife was asleep back there, and I had some of those CDs that they give us. Man, Brother Willoughby singing five rows back. I kept rewinding that. I think it was Brother Willoughby. I was told it was Brother Willoughby. I kept rewinding that thing, and I'm singing it. I'm messing it all up, but, man, I'm going after that. I must have heard it 100 times. And she's over there trying to sleep when I'm over there. I have your five rows back. Warn about uh, hell. He says, 
talked about heaven, warned about hell, and five rows back, the choir was singing, and I'm trying to sing, but I can't sing. But nobody, I thought nobody was hearing me, but she was <laughs> in a seat behind me, amen? And she said, I heard you singing. Well, I'm sorry, you know, I, I hate to put you through that. <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I want to be happy. And when you hear that music, you're driving, and you, you hear some of that music, man, you have joy. It's all it takes is just put that CD in there, uh, but you have a playlist and you got all this junk on your playlist. Taka boom, taka boom, taka 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 boom. Oh, that's a good one, man. You know, huh? You see, they they put the name Christian in front of it doesn't make it Christian. Christian rock, Christian rap. I was preaching in a in a federal prison in El Reno one time, and they said we got this guy. He gonna sing a special before you preach. He got up there and he rapped John three sixteen. <laughs> and I said, you expect me to preach after that? Hey, I said, grab your hymn books. We're gonna sing victory in Jesus, amen. And we now I can preach, amen. After that, but you you put Christian in front of it doesn't make it Christian. There's some songs, you know, there was a song back in the 70s, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. The Doobie Brothers. A Doobie is a marijuana cigarette. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. And people buying them like crazy. Because you know what? The, the world knows that if you, if you put some Christian lyrics in there, the people buy it. So they're tapping into the people that are not grounded in, in, uh, in good music, and they're stuck right into that. Well, so when we would go over there to Lexington, there were Brother Ron Lindsay the, is a chaplain. We go to Lexington, and, and man, it was a beautiful sound when we go in there, the officer would see from the bubble, and they pop all the doors. Pop, 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 pop. All these doors would open. And you had criminals, you know, people that had done armed robberies and, and people that beat their wives and people that killed somebody and people that just were selling drugs and all these people come out that had no joy in their life. And old Harold Daughtry had printed out a, a little sheet with songs like, and the old rugged cross, amazing grace. And we, get, and we pass them out and we start singing and those inmates would start singing and then we get to preach to them, and people get saved. Amen. I'm telling you, only God can change somebody that don't have a song in their heart. Amen. A lot of them didn't have no joy because they were lost, but then there were some that were Christians that were in there, but they had lost their joy, but they're amongst them. I remember a young man there at the county jail, Bible college student. I went to go visit him, and there was two inmates there. And he was covered himself with a, with a blanket because they were smoking uh, weed and cigarettes. And, and there he finds himself in there. His daddy was a pastor. He used to travel and sing with a group to try to recruit people to the college where I went to. And he'd be out there singing. And he got in trouble, ends up there with his criminals. Baby face, good-looking kid, great kid, messed up. And they, you know, the inmates would be, hey, uh, what are you in here for, Holmes? Uh, armed robbery, kidnapping, beat a couple of people with a pipe, 
you know, a few other things. You, same thing. And how about you? Uh, kind of like Jonah. Yeah. Amen. Uh, well, uh, I said, man, you don't, you ain't from the hood, are you? No. My daddy's a preacher. What are you doing here, man? What's wrong with you? They start rebuking him, knowing that he's not supposed to be around them. What's wrong with you? You had a chance. You have a family. You have somebody that loves you, and you're here with us? I don't have no daddy. I don't even know who my daddy is. You got a daddy as a preacher, and you're here? What's wrong with you, fool? Oh, you were in a group, and you sang? Let, let us hear you sing. Go oh, and sing as one of your old songs of Zion. Why don't you sing as one of those songs you sang in that group when you were over there on your tour telling people about Jesus? Why don't you sing as one of those old songs? You think he could sing? How shall we sing a song in a strange land? You see, when, when you let the devil steal your joy, you can't sing. So what do we have to do? We have to get things right with God. I was preaching, recently I preached in a church pastor on if we, as Christians, we should, who are called by my name to humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. I preached that and I said, you know, my point was, you need to, if you want God to bless you, you need to humble yourself. You need to pray. You need to be devoted to God. You need to repent. And I preached, I thought I, I, I did what God wanted me to do. And then I started the invitation, and you thought I was playing one, two, three, red light. Everybody was, nobody moved. Not even in their pew, right where they're at, nobody moved. Everybody was frozen. I turned it over to the pastor, went back there, stood next to my wife, and he's still uh, having the invitation. The piano is playing, a gentleman is singing. Then I was convicted, and I come right down the aisle. I come down here. And I was convicted in my own preaching. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, amen? I'm down here. I'm the only one in the altar. Asking God to help me humble myself. Asking God to help me repent. Asking God to help me be devoted to him. You know what's wrong? Why would we have a song in our heart? We ain't got things right with God. We don't have things right with each other. In church, people are mad at each other. When you get things right, it don't matter what anybody else is doing. You're happy, and you can go up to them, how you doing, brother? And they'd be looking at you like, what's wrong with him? Nothing's wrong with him. The problem is right here. Yeah, daddy, you come down to the altar, maybe your son will come down to the altar. There was a day when they wept for the souls of their children. And the, the preacher would be preaching and people were coming down the aisles and getting on their knees praying before the preacher was done. What's happened? We're cold. You go to some Spanish churches, brother. You're like, I guarantee you, Pastor Gaddis goes and preaches in any of the churches I've been to. The vultures be full. What's wrong? We need to humble ourselves. We got so used to just praying right where we're at. And nothing wrong with that, folks. But I was convicted and I came down. 
And we say, I'm preaching to myself. Yeah, we do. We preach to ourselves. But I had never come down to the altar after I preached. Oh, I've done it back here. You preach, you go over here, you're praying that God will. What about us? Huh? How shall we sing a song in a strange land? You know, Saul. Time is slipping away, but you know, Saul, he said he had an evil spirit on him, and, and they said, We need somebody we, uh, that can come play the harp. And, and, and they said, We know somebody, Jesse's sons, and they go and they bring David, and David comes and he plays the harp, and the evil spirit goes away. Amen? There's something about the music that does something to you, the right kind of music. My mom was in a, uh, in a home for two years in a uh, nursing home, and my brother-in-law used to go and, and play the guitar and sing some hymns, and my mom, uh, she didn't know sometimes who you were. She was there, but when he played that Christian music, she lit up. And some of those people that were there in the nursing home, you who would go to the nursing homes, you know what I'm talking about. Man, you can, you can get into that ministry and bless people, the elderly that are there that nobody visits. And you go, you sing, and you preach to them, and, and God blesses that. I did that for five years over here in Midwest City, and it was a blessing to go see somebody do it to my mom. And man, I tell you, my mom lit up. So David was over there, uh, many, he was a sheep, and they brought him over, and he... He played the harp. What a blessing. He was an encouragement. But then you fast forward, and now he's king. I don't know where he put his harp. But instead of being out there in battle, he stayed back. And he started surfing the internet, www.somebodyontherooftop.com. And before you know it, he committed adultery, had his, her husband killed, Uriah the Hittite had him killed, tried to cover it up, couldn't cover it up. And then God didn't send somebody with a harp for him. He sent a man that said, thou art the man. And in Psalms 51, he got things right. Purse me with hyssop and I shall be clean, wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You see, you don't lose your salvation, but you lose the joy. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you sing from the heart? I don't know how many times Aaron says, come on, you're doing good. Let's sing. Pick it up. God encourages us to sing. It ought to be automatic. We were at a church not long ago, and a lady and her daughter sang, and it looks like they forced them to get up there and sing. I think they were lip, they were just moving their lips, and they weren't singing. I said, is the mics off? No, they're not singing. I'm hoping the other one would sing. It's like they made them sing. What's wrong? I'm talking about in a church service. I mean, you hear, you know people practice, they're ready to sing. Maybe you're here, you used to sing specials. You used to sing, but you lost your joy. You don't even want to sing. You used to. Huh? You used to teach a Sunday school class. You used to write, run uh, the buses. You used to. 
but you lost your joy. Well, my wife won't let me. Yeah, you lost more than your joy. Well, can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> I'm the man of the house. He runs a vacuum cleaner, the dishwasher, and everything else in the house. Amen. You're losing it, bro. David got things right. Human heart is haunted by idols, not, few, not a few. But if so, then the Lord's song cannot be sung. Sin corrupts to the core. But the heart that holds to sin and sin silence the Lord's song. It is sad to be in church and not be able to sing with everybody else in a congregational because you're not right with God. You can fake it. You can fake me and I can fake you, but we can't fake God. Well, how do we fix that? Humble yourself. Take that, that heart back. Lord, I'm not going to hang my harp in the willow. I'm going to use the harp. You know, I get convicted over sometimes. I like, I like sports. I like sports radio. And I said, you know what? Now on my way to work, I'm just going to listen to the word of God. Why? Because that's what I need. You know? And it's helped me. <clears throat> I'm not going to whistle Dixie, okay? <clears throat> I remember being back there one time, sore throat, can't sing, and I was whistling to the melody of the song. I think the people in front of me were like, oh. but I wanted to sing. So I, I did the bird number. His eyes on the sparrow, you can't get. Not only can I not sing, I can't whistle. <laughs> but I'm not as bad as that, that inmate that I saw at the jail that had no front teeth. And I said, I don't know how you got arrested. He said, you do? I said, yeah. You were supposed to be the lookout. And when the cops came, you were supposed to whistle. And you're like, shh, 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 <laughs> Amen, somebody. James 1, uh, James 5, I've got three verses and I'm done. James 5, 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Psalms 118, 14. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Psalms 42, 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. You know, how shall we sing a song in a strange land? As a Christian, no matter where you're at, if you're in an area that doesn't want Christianity, you can still have that song. And you're still that light. You're still that salt. Just sing. 
I remember Pastor Gaddis, uh, years, several years ago, he said one of the college students, they put, uh, you have any, um, you have any talents? And, and this girl put uh, that she could sin real good. She forgot the G, amen. <laughs> <laughs> then I remember Pastor Sam Davison, he said, years ago he preached and he said that somebody did a study in all the birds of the world to feed them once, that the guy that, that owned Walmart couldn't have enough money to pay for one day to feed all the birds in the world, but God feeds them every day. He feeds us, he loves us, he cares for us, he knows everything about us, and then we don't even glorify him because we've lost our joy. Will you stand tonight? Do you have the joy of the Lord? You know, maybe just to thank God for the joy that you have would be a good thing. Lord, I want to thank you for giving me that joy of the Lord, that others see the joy of the Lord in your life. Uh, and God just speaks to us, you know. And we are able to minister to other people because we have the joy of the Lord. And they say, man, why are you different? What is it about you? What is it about you that you seem to be happy? Well, you have the joy of the Lord in your life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe tonight God spoke to your heart in one way, shape, or form. He feeds the little birds. He'll feed you. He'll meet every need you have. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Do you have that? Melody in your heart, do you have that joy? Do people know at work that you're a Christian? That you have a good attitude or you encourage her? As the a, as a piano plays, would you come tonight? Would you come if God spoke to your heart? Maybe he didn't speak to your heart. Just ask the guy, why, Lord? Why didn't you speak to me tonight?